Um, my name is Brian. Welcome to Element City Church. This is the first time you've been here. We welcome you. Um, we uh, do a little bit of worship. We do some teaching. We do a little bit of communion and then some worship afterwards, and uh, that's kind of what we do. So thanks for being with us. Um, I know some of your guys' hearts are uh, heavy. Some of you may be full of joy, um, but we're just going to go and uh, continue on the series that we're on, and it's called Thrive. It's the story of Daniel and how he thrived in adverse conditions and how we as believers in Jesus Christ can move through and thrive in our life, not just survive, but thrive. And so last week, uh, Jack talked about King Belazar, right? We're going to call him King B from now on because Brian will screw that up. So he's King B, okay? So King B was the leader of Babylon. He was not humble in the least bit. He was not glorifying God with his actions and his decisions. And he was so arrogant. They were in war. They were the large, one of the largest empires, and they were in war. And he decided to throw a Las Vegas-style party and had a 1,000 people. And they were everything you could imagine went on, did go on. And while he was throwing the party, in his arrogance, the Medes and the Persians dug out underneath the city and captured the largest empire at the time with basically no fight. The city woke up to a new banner, to a new ruler, and the power had changed. That's what's gone on to this point. So this brings us to chapter six. Daniel in the lion's den. By show of hands, anybody heard this story? Ah, a lot of you are saying, yeah, I've heard this story. I've seen it in flannel graph. I've seen it in puppets. I've seen it on popsicle sticks. I've seen it in any which way or form. And so that's true. And you know what? We could just pop in the VeggieTales video and watch that, right? Daniel, no, we won't do that. And so I want you to listen to this story tonight and this Bible story tonight through an adult lens, not through your time you had in Sunday school or the time that you've heard it in other things or even through the Veggie Tales lens. I want you to listen to it as an adult. And I also, and I beg you and I ask you to listen to this through a lens like you've heard it through the first time, like you're listening to the story for the very first time. Can we do that? All right, let's read, let's open our Bibles up. If it's not, it will be on the screen. We're going to read Daniel 6. And here we go. Daniel in the lion's den. It pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom, with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his ex exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Wait a second. The king that just took over the most powerful, most powerful empire just picked a foreigner. So that is three like three prime ministers over the, you know, there's three areas, three governors, and then literally the one above that would be the prime minister. That's what Daniel is, the king was asking Daniel to do. So he picked a foreigner, but not just a foreigner, but a slave. 
not just a slave, but a Jewish person that had been in captivity to be one of the top three leaders of this new kingdom. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? That your, your country just took over another country and then your king decided to make the leaders the people that you just conquered and even an enemy? Where's his loyalty? So my question is, is why Daniel? Why, why did Daniel get chosen to be one of those head top three leaders? Well, look at the last five chapters. If you've been with us for a while in this series, um, Daniel lived a life that's worth it. It says in, in verse three, it says, Daniel so distinguished himself among the others. He lived in such a way, it does not matter who he is, where he's from, what he believes, or what his ethnic background is, all these things should be against him. But the king watched him and said, hmm, I think I'm gonna put him over the whole empire. That's puzzling to me. What? Why? Why Why pick Daniel? And the king in the word says, it says, the king may not suffer any losses. The king may not suffer any losses. The king is asking, who can I trust? With my money? Who is, who's not gonna rip me off? Who can I trust to tell the truth straight to me? Who is not gonna undermine my every authority? Ah, Daniel. That guy seems pretty trustworthy. So Daniel being a part of the leadership of the King B, right? He was the ruler, kind of ran things for uh, King B in Babylon. In all rights, should have had his head lopped off. Because in that tradition, if a, if a, a conqueror happened, all the leadership, all the political people, anything in leadership, literally the king coming in would kill them all. Would just get rid of them, right? That makes sense. Does that make sense to anybody? Get rid of leadership, right? Get rid of, of what they think or what they do. In sports programs, they do it all the time, you know? Get rid of the recruits that the coach came in. But Daniel was, because of the way that he looked and because of the way that he presented himself, he got a second chance. The guys around that were, were kind of working the transition team, we've heard those words come out in the last couple days, working the transition teams are like, hey, there's, there's this, that, that guy in the back, Daniel, um, I've heard he was pretty loyal to all the kings that he served in his lifetime. He's pretty wise and, and he might have some knowledge that we could use. Rumor has it he, uh, he can predict dreams and he can, he can take the writing and read the writing on the wall. He, he, you know what, he may actually be really, really good at his job. And once again, a guy that should have been written off, should have been killed, but because he had a lifestyle of faithfulness, doesn't just get rewarded, but rises to the top. 
The other politicians are freaking out. The ones that aren't on the transition team that are thinking, man, I just, we just worked really hard. We dug under the city. We took over. And now what are we going to do? They're freaking out. They're like, something has to be done. This traitor, this outsider needs to be taken care of. Let's read verse four and five and see how the story continues. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in the conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They couldn't find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against man, this man Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. So all the top officials were trying to figure out how to literally trap Daniel, figure out a way that they could get him to be tripped up in some kind of lie or some, some kind of action. Imagine a whole political system, and we can imagine that, right? We can imagine a whole political system looking into your personal background to see if they could find something to use. Is that scary? Kimberly always makes a joke that, Brian, if you ever ran for president, you wouldn't make it because I wouldn't pass the background check. Most of us, if not all of us, have some skeletons in our closet. Agreed? But with Daniel, they couldn't find anything. They couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. He was faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. And that's where I have to call time out. It seems too good to be true, correct? Too good to be true. In the stories when I was a kid, I, you, know, you saw Daniel and doing all that kind of stuff. But I think, let's look at it from a different perspective. We have covered six chapters in Daniel. We remember uh, him being a kid with lots of cool stories. And so one of the stories was a boy showed up to school, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they decided to um, follow God together, right? Then they were going to be put in a fiery furnace, and they got out. Then some bad dreams happened and they survived that and God protected them. And then there was a wild party that they didn't go. And then now there's a lion's den. Sounds like a cool, exciting two weeks in Daniel's and his friend's life, doesn't it? It's like, woo. I mean, if you really grew up in church, we've kind of childified, that's not a word, childified these things. We've kind of made them kind of puppets we've kind of made Daniel kind of a nice little soft little boy with nice hair you could even read this story to toddlers and they'd be like oh yay the lions because if you see the pictures in the books they're really nice lions not ones that are going to tear the flesh from you when my kids were small you know the little little cardboard books or in the in the kids bible They've, they shrink this epic story to one page. One page. And Daniel was a young man when all of those things happened. And it's in one page. But this is where we need to change our perspective a little bit. Here's where we need to understand that Daniel 
was not a teenager when he got thrown into the lion's den. Let's just take a little vote. Who thought that he was a teenager and got thrown in the lion's den? You can be honest. All right, we're cool. Who thought, who knew that? The wise people in the room, look at that. But he was over 80 years old when he got tossed into the lion's den or dropped or lowered or whatever you want to call The last five chapters have spanned. So what Jack has covered and what we're covering is about 66 years of his life. From the time that Babylon took him captive until now is about 66 years. That's a long time. And why does that matter? Because most of us think, and and even when I was preparing, I was bringing back those images of of Daniel in the lion's den when I learned it when in third, fourth, fifth grade, and I had a picture of what that Daniel looked like. We have a picture for you guys to see on the screen of what that guy looked like. Can we show that? (laughs) Like that dude can drop to the lion's den and punch him in the nose and say, yeah, I'm right, you know, I'm done. That's the Daniel that I was thinking in my head, Okay. Anybody like Sylvester Sloan and Rambo? Rambo's solid. All right. But, but if he was 17, 66 years ahead, this is kind of more of the picture I need you to know going forward the rest of the night. All right? We need to make sure that this, <laughs> the image that we have in our head is not a teenager, but more of a grandpa. 83 years old. That dude's pretty fit, though, I have to say. That would Rambo look like when he was 83 or so. Okay, so, so let's, let's think, think of Daniel 66 years post him being a, a taken captive by the Babylonians, and this is what we're gonna do. So when we, when we reread verse four, when we reread it, this is what we see. At this time, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could not find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. So when you read verse four, 66 years inside the walls, growing up socially, learning their ways, put in charge of small things growing up, and then giving large things to be in charge of. After 66 years of government service, being an official, they couldn't find any corruption. Not a dime missing from the treasury, not an intern scandal, can't find a staff revolt, People saying, let us tell us about those early years with Daniel. They couldn't even find a slip morally, a slip sexually, uh, with integrity. He had his integrity all along the way for 66 years. Isn't that amazing? I think it would be hard-pressed in this day and age to find one non-corrupt government agents at least early in their government official 
but 66 years? In our day and age, could we find someone like Daniel? People, we have to live a lifestyle that demands an explanation. We have to live a lifestyle that demands an explanation, not an apology. Daniel is a man that does not say, I have a faith in God. Daniel is a man who has a lifestyle that says, I will show you my faith in God. If there's something out there today that is desperately missing in the Christian walk, it's not those who come to church and say they believe in, in God. It's lifestyles that point to others that there is an explanation and it is God. These guys have went through all the records, tried to figure out all the, the, the personal stories, trying to find and dig up dirt on Daniel and they can't. So I can imagine this, they're sitting around a room trying to figure up strategies, kind of like in a war room. They're like, dude, this dude is good. This dude is really good. We can't, did you, did you find something, George? Did you find something, Sue? And they're going around the room and they're literally trying to put things on the wall, on the whiteboard or whatever they used and trying to literally list things out. And they can't come up with anything. And here's the one little, uh, little number cruncher guy in the back. That's what I'm kind of thinking happens. He's like, hey, I got an idea. What if we use his religion against him? And they look at him like, should we believe the little nerdy dude in the back? And they're like, bingo. Here's a man that lived above reproach, but followed every law. They don't even know the law that he's following. They don't even know the scriptures that he reads. But they don't, they don't even know God. And all they know is his lifestyle is following different rules. And all they can come up with is, hey, we're gonna use your religion to entrap you. And so that's what they do. Daniel has every reason to be upset. And you know what? You know why that trap works? Is because they knew that he was going to pray to his God. And he knew, they knew that over 66 years, he lived a lifestyle that reflected Jesus. Actually, God, sorry. Reflected God. And that's what they were banking on. Daniel had every reason to feel like he was neglected. He got taken out of his family. He got his land sold. He, his people got trapped inside the walls. He was an outsider, a foreigner. He was a, a Jewish person in a, in a foreign land. But instead, he followed God's ways to a T. What amazing testimony. A lifestyle that demands an explanation. A lifestyle that demands an answer. A lifestyle that even if people didn't know the God that he served 
and the law that he followed and still realized that he was beating to a different drum. He hasn't made it about himself. He wasn't egotistical. Not power crazy, money obsessed, or he wasn't chasing things or to, to raise, to go to be the top. It's not about his prestige, his wealth, or his position. It's something that he had inside. It was about him. We need a faith about being a Christian. We need our faith to be seen as we are Christian, not just during the week or on Sunday. Actually, just on Sundays because some of us do some other things during the week. We need to have a faith that's not about being Christian on the weekend or a title we can claim, but a lifestyle that demands the world around us can see us. The people that walk day in and day out with us to say, he follows, she follows, he or she follows a different set of laws. The way that she talks in the staff lounge, the way that he responds to employees, the way that we respond to stress is amazing for that person. Or, wow, have you noticed how those people respond to conflict? Hey, have you seen the way that guy talks, talks to his wife? And did you see that way that, that, that wife responds to her husband? It's different. Something is different in Daniel. That's what the politicians wanted to trap Daniel on the way in his religion because they knew that he would follow. They knew that he would follow his faith. Over the next few verses, as many of you may know the story, these political leaders and, and uh, convinced King Darius to sign a uh, declaration or sign a, a, a law that if anybody was going to bow down other than to King Darius, that they were going to be thrown in the lion's den. And so um, it happened. They got the lion, the king's like, yeah, that's a great idea. You know, cool. Well, that's awesome. And so he signs it. And then um, Daniel gets caught praying to his, his God. The king was heartbroken because he really loved Daniel. And the, the people that set this trap knew that this was flawless, flawless. They knew that the king couldn't go back on the signature because he had already signed it. But they knew that Daniel was going to pray to his God. The, print, the king was pretty broken up when Daniel was turned into him. You guys can hear that? Excuse me. It's not every day you can hear me drinking Amplified. So the king was heartbroken. So they, they put him in the lion's den. It wasn't Rambo. It wasn't big, hulky, I'm gonna punch these, punch these dudes in the mouth. It was grandpa, 66 years of living a life 
of faith in a journey doesn't waver from that and gets sent to the Daniel. So Daniel gets thrown into the lion's den. An angel comes down and see, I'm paraphrasing, and seals the mouth of the lion. I don't know, some say there was one lion, some says there was multiple lions. Either way, bad news, okay? And the king, the king is just, you guys have been up at night, can't sleep, worried, concerned, bothered, anguish, any of the words that can above. And the, in verse 19 and 20, it says, very early the next morning, the king got up, hurried out to the lion's den. When he got there, he called out in anguish, Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God, whom you serve faithfully, able to rescue you from the lions. The living God, the one you point to with the way that you have lived your life. Daniel could have responded multiple different ways. I'm pretty sure that if we got thrown in the lion's den and we've been living away for 66 years, we would probably respond a little differently. I know I would probably be a little angry. No? No one would be angry? We'd all be fine? But I'll be, oh yes, thank you. Thank you for that overnight sleep, it was great. The king was overjoyed. The king was overjoyed. He pulled him up and he said, oh, thank you for the living God. Guess what happened next? Does anybody know the story? So he pulls Daniel out. The king put the people that enslaved Daniel in the lion's den. That's not too good if you're the family, is it? Not just, it said all of their families. And I can say all, if whoever was in the room trying to figure out how this all was working, it was all of the family. And we can think to ourselves that our lifestyle doesn't affect our family. Those families were affected. This gets even more crazier and more amazing. So the king writes a letter to the whole world, the whole recognized world, and let's see, let's pick this story up in 26 and 27. So we're at six and 26 and 27. Actually, I'm gonna read that. Then the king Darius wrote to all nations and peoples of every language in all the earth. That's pretty vast. I wonder how long it took him to write that. May you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of the kingdom, people must fear the re and the reverence of the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. 327. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth. And he has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. That's pretty amazing, don't you think? From a king conquering an empire that probably served many other gods and the way that Daniel lived demonstrated to this king the living God. 
In the last six chapters of Daniel that we've been going over, I'll give you a little synopsis. Seven kings, two empires, and four testimonies. Four teenagers who made a decision that this kind of life that they were going to live out and the law that they were going to follow. These six chapters also show us where significance is found. Significance is not found in the title, but in the testimony. Let me read that again. Significance is not in the title, but in the testimony. Over 2,500 years later, the story talks a little bit about the kings when their names and kind of what they did. But what this story is about is about a slave saying, here is the God that I serve and this is the God that I follow. That's where God writes his best stories is right here, right now with ordinary people just like you and me. Making the decision to just claim God but to have a lifestyle that demands an explanation and points people towards God. What does that mean in our everyday life? Daniel did not cause confusion with his life because he was consistent. If we're consistent, we don't cause confusion. Make a choice not with your words, but with how you behave, how you live your life consistently glorifying God. People, let's be honest. Many of our lives cause confusion. You're one person at work. You're another person at church. You're a different at home. You're different out with your friends. You claim to follow Jesus, but you're filled with hate on social media. You cause judgment, and you say things on Instagram that just don't make much sense when you say that you claim Jesus. This all causes confusion. If we follow Jesus, and we want to follow him with all our heart, mind, and soul, we need to live like Daniel. Not confusing things that we do and say, we're all broken, we're all gonna do things. But does your life live and breathe and reflect consistency of who Jesus is? Daniel lived a life of consistency and faithfulness for 66 years. That still boggles my mind. I'm 42, I'll be 42 in December, and I'm like, oh my gosh, 20 more years. Wow, that's tough. He was a slave, a student, a governor, and a prime minister. That's a pretty good spread of a job resume. And God could only use Daniel for something big because he was faithful with something small. We always tell, I always tell our kids, if I can't trust you to not lie about brushing your teeth, then how am I gonna trust you with driving a car? 
Does that make sense to anybody? And God, if God can't trust you with Monday to Saturday, how can he trust you with Sunday? I'll let that sit in a second. Did that sting a little bit for anybody? Did me. If God can't trust your Monday through Saturday, how is he gonna trust your Sunday? God wants you to be faithful in the little things so he can trust you in the faithful in the future. With the bigger things. He wants you to be faithful with the little things so he can give you big things in the future. What are you doing now that will determine what God is going to do with you in the future? What are you doing right now that is gonna determine your future with God? Whether you're 15, 25, 55, or 85, God says, I want to use you in his story. He wants to use you in his story, but you gotta be faithful. And you could ask yourself, how how do I know that I'm faithful? I haven't done anything really big. God asks you to be faithful in the little things. The little things of how you respond to people. The little things of how you speak to your wife. Little thing how you speak to your husband. How you treat each other. Not pushing down to get on top. Not claiming titles. Not pushing the people to the side for you to get credit. We have to live a life that demands an explanation of the world around us. If no one's asking, hey, why are you different? You're probably not living a life that needs an explanation. We take communion here after every service and, and uh, so we're gonna do that. I have some questions, some next steps. We're all about next steps here. It's not about just feeling guilty because it's not about guilt. It's about we wanna have next steps with Jesus and we've been going through Daniel to, to really thrive and this is how we can thrive is really kind of living a life that demands an explanation. Literally, I I hope I've said that enough and it's repetitive and you guys are like, I don't want you to say it one more time but I'm gonna continue to say it because I want that every action that you do should demand an explanation and you should be able to say, you know what, it's because I love Jesus. I love the people in my life and I love serving God. That's the first thing is live a life that demands an explanation. The next step is make a choice to be consistent in how you live. Now, I could give you a list of things that you could check off to live a consistent life, but I don't know your life. You and God can pray through that and figure out, hey, you know, that's a little inconsistent in my life, or the way that I treat those people, or, or the way that I do that is inconsistent. So you can pray through that during, before you take communion. You can pray through hey, does my life really reflect or does it really demand an explanation? And three, be faithful in the little things so God can set you up in the future so he can trust you to be faithful. Be faithful in the little things so God can use you in the future and trust you to be faithful. Think through those things. Pick one. 
but Daniel showed us how to live a life fully, fully reflecting Jesus, reflecting God in everything that he did. And my prayer tonight out of all of this is may Element City Church be a church that people ask, wow, those guys are different. When they say, hey, what church do you go to? Or if that comes up in conversation, I would love it to be synonymous with, wow, those Element City People Church, you know what? There's something different about them. Dear Heavenly Father, as we come to communion tonight, Lord, I probably have not done the story of Daniel justice. But Lord, I know and I desire, I want to have a heart like Daniel to people can look at my life and and look at my things, know that I'm broken and I'm a sinner, but Lord, that I have had a consistent life. Lord, and that's what our prayer is for each one of us here tonight. Lord, that we can live a consistent life. Lord, that a life that demands an explanation from people, that people can look at us and say, whoa, that was cool how you dealt with that. That was Wow, that was different. Lord, and thank you for creating us so that we can reflect you. Lord, be with us tonight as we take communion. Lord, these three next steps of living, living a life, making a choice to be consistent and being faithful in the little things. Lord, just burn on our hearts what that is and show us what you need to move in us. Disturb us in our habits, in our ways that we walk, in the way we move, in the way that we live, Lord, so that we can live a life that demands an explanation of you.